Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that has managed to keep our pinkies attached to their hands. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and this week we're continuing a topic that was started late last year when we played Yakuza 0, and that's the life and times of the dragon of Jojima, Kiryu Kazuma. Tonight's panel has recently been playing the remakes of the first couple original Yakuza titles, so we'll be discussing those, uh, that's Kwami's 1 and 2. So joining me uh, tonight is a gentleman who finds his way back to the pub just about as often as Majima finds Kiryu, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. I was thinking today that Kiryu is such a, it's, if, it sounds like a very cute name, but I think he's one of the coolest video game characters I've ever encountered. And anytime I'm playing a game, I wish I was Kiryu Kazuma. Um, and if I had, if I had any of the, uh, you know, the style or the, the suaveness or any of his other uh, positive qualities I'd consider, you know, cosplaying as him or dressing up for him as Halloween or something like that. But uh, I'll have to just uh, keep that as a fantasy in my mind for now. He de- he definitely represents my mood in 2020. Oh, yeah. Where like every everything around him is like going to shit <laughs> and is just completely bat nuts insane. And he's just like, I, I just want to take it. E-. Like he just wants the uh, a simple, easy life. Yeah, He just wants to sit down at the bar, <laughs> finish his drink, you know, relax, go for a stroll. And then no, it, every every two seconds, a, a gang of punks wants to uh, wants to try their luck, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And also joining us to provide theories on how a single man can take down 30 highly trained assassins and then still have enough fight to take on an additional 40. NWR associate editor, Matt Zawadniak. That's me. It's uh, it's funny how you talk about, like, you know, Kiryu just getting beat down is, is the mood. Because you guys, you're only, you're only in the first half of the series still. <laughs> like, the Yakuza franchise is a story about how a young man goes from wanting to fight everyone to growing into an old man that's so tired he wants to die. <laughs> I think I feel like that's almost a, um, uh, an analogy for how you feel by the time you get to the sixth game. You, you feel so old and tired, like, oh, I, I've, I've kind of been beaten down <laughs> just by playing this game a little too much. Like I, I've got some thoughts that I'll, I'll share, I'll expand upon a little bit later, but um, already, even in this second game, and again, it's still a lot of, I still have a lot of reverence for the series, but I'm already feeling like Oh, you know, Kamurocho, definitely been here a bunch of times. <laughs> you know, Stotenbury, <laughs> I, I know this place like the back of my hand now. I, I definitely enjoy the entire franchise, and th- there's part of me that every time I go to Kamurocho, I'm like, I, it's great to be back. Like, there's not a single game in this franchise that I have disliked, but it's, it is definitely true that my enjoyment peaked with technically not the first Mm -hmm. three games because zero was a prequel that came way later but zero kiwami one and kiwami two are kind of a trilogy nowadays and that that trilogy i think is the peak of the Mm -hmm. franchise i still like the rest of the franchise but it's this is the best part of it for sure um especially now with the kiwami remakes because i sure don't recommend you go back and play the originals because i played two before kiwami two was released and it is harrowing. Can we? I want to. I want to ask you about that a little bit in more detail, Matt. Maybe after the jump, uh, David. Maybe we can do drinks first because I do want to know a little bit about the first uh, two games, the original versions. If we can talk a little bit, if Matt, if you've got some ideas about those, that would be fantastic. But maybe we'll do drinks first, David. Sure. Yeah, you can take us. Uh, you can start us off if you like. So I've got something special tonight uh, because I didn't. I, I think I was drinking water last week or something like that. Um, I, I brought something that is topical, 
but also alcoholic, so uh, making everybody happy here. Uh, I've got in front of me. I've got a bottle of Cuddy Sark, which is a blended Scotch whiskey. Uh, it's from Scotland, and the, one of the reasons why I brought it is because one of my favorite authors, uh, Haruki Murakami, uh, almost every novel that he's written. Uh, features Cuddy Sark, uh, where the characters are drinking Cuddy Sark at a bar. There's almost always a mention of it. I'm not sure if it's like just one of his favorite liquors, or so you know, he has some special attachment to it. But uh, I, I wanted to get a bottle of Cuddy Sark because I really liked uh, uh, just all the uh, mentions of the, the this whiskey in Murakami's fiction. So I've got that, and I, I opened it up for the first time, and I put a little bit of it in my Pepsi. Uh, which I've switched to now, and it's not bad, you know. Not, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to drink it straight or anything like that. Not, uh, I'm not big enough into alcohol for that, but uh, it's not bad in a Pepsi. I just put a little bit in, so I'm taking a little bit of the edge off, and uh, I, I'm back on the drinking train for our uh, our journey through uh, uh, through Japan and through uh, the Kiwami games here. Yeah, Matt, do you have a drink? Uh... Well, so actually, I remember the last time that that I was here with you oh, guys. Gosh. Um, I, I thought you would have forgotten, about... uh, considering how much. Oh no, no, that was the first time. Okay, okay. That's so. If that first time hadn't happened, I would I would go with something a little harder because I actually have the the whiskey shot glasses that came with the Yakuza Six Collector's Edition. Oh, nice. That would have been very appropriate for tonight. But I learned my lesson and will not go with something quite that hard. <laughs> but the second time that I was with you guys. Um, I, I talked about how, like, the only beer that I really like to drink is, is like, basically alcoholic soda, uh, and I need to branch out a lot. And uh, I still believe that because I have not. Because I have the exact same thing that I had last oh, time. Oh, I'm so excited. That, yeah, I thought you were leading us to this. <laughs> exci- oh, I'm finally trying something new tonight. We're going to get this revelation on the podcast again. I'm sure Next not. Time. I have nothing. I have nothing new for you, but for those of you just joining me, uh... I have a Not Your Father's Root Beer. Uh, it is basically alcoholic soda. Uh, it is fairly popular around here. I don't know how widespread it is. I know it is at least distributed nationally throughout the, the states. Um, but it is f- uh, from the Small Town Brewery Company. Uh, and uh, it is my preferred beer um, because I just don't like the taste of beer as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, people have tried to, to give me some stuff. That to get me into beer, and there are a couple things that like I can tolerate, but there's nothing that I genuinely like. Um, you know, it's funny, Matt. But... You mentioned you know, alcoholic soda. Like, I feel like in this day and age, like there's so many different types that you can try. Like, if, you, if you're not a beer drinker, that seems to be perfectly okay because just as many uh, as there's so many craft beers now, there's so many different like vodka sodas or alcoholic, um, you know, sugary sodas like like the root beer you're drinking, um, you know, cherry cokes, cream sodas like that. But it seems like the the world's kind of your oyster right now for trying new things. Um, have you have you had a White Claw before? Like that seems to be a pretty popular one these days. I think White Claw I have tried, okay. but I it, I still wasn't into Bounced that off. one either. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like the it's it's the the fear that I have mm. of like try, like I I go to the liquor store and I look at the aisle full of beer and I don't know what any of this stuff tastes like. I don't know what reliably doesn't taste like beer. I know there's plenty out there that I probably would mm-hmm. like, but at a glance I don't know what it is. So I just always fall back on the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 if you didn't like White Claw, like I, I think there's, there's a lot, a lot of drinks that kind of taste similar to that. Maybe some are a little bit sweeter, some less so. Um, but there's also like you know, like uh, cider, gin smashes, um, 
Uh, think of like th- things like Palm Bay that are a little bit more fruity, a little bit more sweet. Like there's definitely a lot of, uh, again, like I said, a lot of options out there that seem to be growing by the week. Yeah, and my my friends are definitely trying to like find more things that I would like, but unfortunately, with the way things are nowadays, <laughs> yes, there've yes. been much fewer hangouts. That's right. David, what about you? What uh, brings us back to the beer, the actual beer discussion? Yeah, so uh, my beer is uh, from from the Scottish homeland as well. It's, oh, very uh, good. Yeah, I got a. It's an innocent gun. It's the um. I I had an innocent gun. Uh, it must have been a few months ago now. The the amber or the uh, the red amber, but this one is uh, this one is a golden lager, mm. and um, it uh, I which is funny because I actually thought I was buying the amber when I picked it up at the store, and when <laughs> oh, I got yeah. it home, that's when I realized I grabbed the golden lager by accident, and I'm like, ah, well, but uh, no, this one's good. It's a four point six, so it's a little bit on the low side, but um, the the lager it, it tastes good. It's uh, uh, innis, uh, we're I'm two for two with Innocent Gun. They uh, they make a they brew a good beer, so. My my understanding is one. the the best way to go into a liquor store and not choose the wrong beer is you're not supposed to go in there pre-drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're supposed to I go, was, it was more, go in there sober, it was more grab the right the, beer, and then <laughs> yeah. No, I, I blame uh, the blame the it, it was um, I was going in to pick up lunch and it was already after one and so there was like a, a bit of a panic of uh, mm. trying to get in and out as as quick as possible. So yeah, yeah, I have, I have to blame. Uh, the, the time constraints on that one, but uh, I feel like the, that's the mistake just, worked out in my favor. This just feels, I mean, it's good. It's good to get a get a different one for the podcast. I feel like that's kind of just shopping in 2020 is the whole idea of, you know, maybe people wanted to go shopping as quickly as they could before, but now it's even more of a, a race against time. Like, I feel like every time I walk into the grocery store, the uh, the Super Metroid, uh, the escape from Planet Zebus, uh, the countdown music comes on and I got to get out <laughs> as fast as I can. You know, like I, I, I really feel that pressure when I'm in a store like I don't I'm wearing a mask or whatever, but I, I just don't want to be in there a second or a minute longer than I have to be. So every every shopping trip has become a race against time now. Could you could you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe the original uh, Kiwami one and two? So you, I guess, I think the original was just called Yakuza, and then Yakuza two, right? Have you have you played both of those? Like, what uh, what what's your experience with them? So my first experience with the Yakuza franchise was with Yakuza zero, mm. and I finished that just in time for the original Kiwami to come out. Okay, and I I had uh, the original Yakuza Kiwami day one. And that impressed me enough to be like, I I really like this series. And so I go like, oh, this new one, Yakuza 6, is coming out. Well, it turns out that it's going to be like the conclusion of Kiryu's character over these six games. So I decide, oh, I'm going to play all of them. Hmm. Uh, which I actually bought a PlayStation 3 just to, just to do that. Uh, because at the time, 3, 4, and 5 were not yet available on PS4. Right, yeah. And Kiwami 2 was not yet available. So I did actually have to play Yakuza 2 on the original PlayStation 2. 
So how does that how and, does that compare to the the, the, the re, I guess I the, at the root of this question is like you know is this a remaster is it a remake that kind of you know that kind of discourse It's a very weird case um as far as that goes because in many ways it is exactly the same mm-hmm. uh the the story structure is exactly the same the animation is actually taken directly from the original game for the cutscenes, um, which is true of both Kiwamis. Uh, it is the exact same rigging, motion capture, everything. They re-recorded the dialogue, with, uh, in some cases with brand new actors, but uh, overall, the, the, the story is completely untouched. But the gameplay is totally revamped. Uh, the original Yakuza Kiwami is wholesale... Uh, the same gameplay as Yakuza 0, while Kiwami 2 is the same gameplay as Yakuza 6. Mm, right. Um, and the the side stories are, for the most part, completely new as well. There are a couple of side stories that are retained, mostly the ones that have their own uh, voice-acted cutscenes. Uh, but for, for the most part, the side stories are all new, uh, and the, the, the combat is very obviously different. Um the even just like the open world camera is very different uh, in the original ps2 games the camera was fixed to specific angles and there would be insane loading times when you go into a fight uh two is a bit better than the original in this regard but if you go back and play yakuza one on ps2 every time you get into a fight it's like a 30 second load time oh, just to brutal. get into the fight yeah, and it's tough yeah. because there's so many opportunities to fight or to an, to avoid a fight so you're almost with loading times like that i mean maybe back then we were a little bit more tolerant to, uh, tolerant of it but now i feel like you, you you would purposely avoid fights to to not have to wait not not have to do that load time every time yeah no it was it was very it was rough um and i i, I managed to get through yakuza 2 because i really like the story i think that it is I think it is my favorite story in the series, um, and I I think that it is it is great even back in the original. But the gameplay is just so antiquated now that I just I cannot recommend you go back to the original instead of playing Kiwami for any reason. It's just it is so not worth it. And like th- there's there's some jank in the Kiwami games because they are the old game's stories directly ported into these existing Yakuza games, and sometimes, like, you can feel that they were made on the cheap, but by and large, they are better in every way. Uh, and I just... don't. <laughs> you don't need to play the PS2 games unless you're really passionate about playing the original Yakuza with an English dub. Was the... Um, I was reading that there was, they added some uh, Nishiki scenes in Kowami like were the were the scenes with the lieutenant in the original like him him fighting with his lieutenant no so every, every time you have a Nishiki scene uh like that's at the new. beginning of a chapter that's brand new okay um, and it's crazy because yeah. with that's a big like, deal like like you like you've played like when you play Yakuza 0 and you play through Kiwami getting all these cutscenes with with Nishiki uh seeing what happened to him in the years that Kiryu was in prison and how he came to be who he is now by the end, by the time you get to the end of that game, it's it's kind of heartrending to see these you know, these two sworn brothers against each mm-hmm. other, uh, and and like seeing their 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 former friendship come to this culmination. And in the original Yakuza game, without those cutscenes and without Yakuza Zero, who even is this guy? Who cares? Yeah. So it's 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 insane how much of a, a huge upgrade it is. 
I I, yeah. I meant to ask you, or and you confirmed that it is the English dub in those first two games, which I think is you know almost doing a disservice to the games, right? Like they're they're, they're so thoroughly set. You know, or you know, based in Japan, obviously, but just so much about the Japanese culture is infused into these games, and and it really, I think, it takes away from what they're trying to be by having that. And I get it, you know, like maybe, again, back then, maybe there would have been more more of a taste for uh for for having something like that. I I, I don't know if they were panned for uh the uh the, the that kind of localization decision, but I'm glad they. I'm certainly glad they went away from it because the Japanese voice acting is really good. It, it, is, a, games, it is, is a strange dub. Wasn't it Mark Hamill in the first one? Mark Hamill is Majima in the original. <laughs> uh, the, there's actually, it's a relatively star-studded cast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, Elijah Dushku is uh, Yumi. Yeah, you've, it's got Michael Madsen. It's got Bill Farmer, who is the voice yeah. of, who's the voice of Goofy. Oh, uh, but the the poor guy uh, who plays Kazum, who plays Kiryu in the original dub, Daryl Cur, uh, Curlio. Uh, if you go on his Wikipedia page, it says he is best known for being the voice of Kazuma Kiryu oh. in the 2005 video game Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that is th- that's not something that you want on your IMDb page. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not the worst dub in the world, mm-hmm. but it's also it's not great. Yeah. Um, they definitely focused a a lot on getting like the sort of big talent, mm-hmm. and it just it's kind of it's whatever. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I've actually played uh, the one of the newer games, Judgment, with the English dub because I was like, well, you know, let's give it a chance, let's see how this is. And I think the new localization team uh, that's taken over since Zero, uh, they have made a huge difference. Uh, and like, the, their dub is great, their localization is great. It's such a, a big improvement from the old days, and so it's it's great to. Like it's it's great to see that there the series has improved and it's just kind of like there's no reason to look back right now. Uh, well, before we get too too more detailed into Kwame, maybe we'll just go back to um what 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 it was that got you into the uh, the series itself. Like uh, you said, you had played Yakuza Zero, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. What like what what about the Yakuza series and uh, is draws you into all playing all these games? Well, I think the story of how I first got into it, I think, is the story of how a lot of people first got into it, uh, where shortly after Yakuza 0 was released in America, uh, someone tweeted out this this video of uh, footage of the game, where Kiryu's at a bowling alley, and he receives this chicken as a reward. And I think that that scene uh, it was one of the most important moments in Yakuza making it big because I, I often say like the the share button on the PS4 and that chicken did so much to sell that game um, and it's how it's how I ended up being interested I was like what the hell is this and uh, my one friend uh, Joe who uh, does a podcast with me called Smash to Pieces you can check it out uh, he was playing the game at the time and he was talking it up a lot so I decided to check it out and it sucked me in so much uh i i I loved it and i finished it just in time for kiwami to come out and you know like i said earlier i i made the decision i have to play all of these which is not that easy to do uh when the remasters don't exist uh so it's it's it it the the way that this series balances it's very it's grounded drama of the main story with the weird and wacky side quests 
it does that in such a way that is so successful that I don't really see a lot of games doing. It's very difficult to to balance serious drama and comedy like this, and Yakuza does it perfectly. And Kiryu as a character is fantastic, I think. Um, uh, the way that uh, we see his journey as I, I kind of don't want to go in too much because I, I have the entire series on my back and you guys still have four more games to look forward to. But uh, from the beginning of his arc in Yakuza zero to the end of it in Yakuza six, uh, he manages to be one of my favorite game characters, even though he is still one of those like sort of low key characters. Cause he's the protagonist but enough of his personality comes through and his his personal tragedies and uh, the things that make him who he is, his values, the things that he resolves to do, they make for one of the most interesting characters in video games for me. And uh, I would like to give an open letter to Katsuhiro Harada to put Kiryu in Tekken. <laughs> you have my terms. I, I, I'll, I'll echo a bunch of what Matt said, especially about Kiryu. I think he's incredibly compelling. Um, uh, yeah, again, we, we, Dave and I have so much of the series left to go, which is exciting. Um, the, the first game I played was actually Yakuza 4 on PS3. I think it was a, a free game from PS Plus at some point. So I still have that on the console. And, uh, I think I might played like an hour or two and just kind of, I kind of got bored by, I think you're, you're driving a taxi around a lot of the beginning of that game or something. Uh, Matt will correct me. That's if I'm actually wrong. five. Five. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's five mm-hmm. then. Uh, but that, that's the part that I remember. And I remember just, yeah, just kind of bouncing off of it. I'd heard, you know, interesting things about the series that would do, that it was kind of like a GTA said in Japan uh, obviously uh, a game that's maybe a little bit closer to that would be something like uh, Sleeping Dogs mm. uh, which is obviously set in Hong Kong but um, that was maybe more true to that moniker uh, but yeah w- with Yakuza 0 coming out and the kind of the, the critical praise that the game was getting and, and people that had uh, played other games in the series kind of like all kind of flocking to this prequel game it's, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity to start at which which is effectively a new beginning right and and knowing that you could go from zero and if you liked the older games you could go back to them and by the time i finished with zero i mean when when zero came out it was in the middle of or maybe at the beginning of a crazy year right this is 2017 and you you have breath of the wild you have near automata you have all these games come out uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and, and and it's hard to find time for you know a forty to sixty hour game that you've never really played in, in that series. But eventually got to Yakuza Zero, and yeah, I mean the the way that it blends story and RPG mechanics and brawler and and comedy and, and, cinem- and cinematics, like it just it's just kind of this culmination of all these maybe at, at sometimes disparate elements. Or maybe even conflicting elements, but they all seem to somehow work. The wackiness with the with the with the melodrama and the 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 comedy of the fighting, especially like it, it all just works somehow. Like it's this kind of really funky uh, melting pot of of elements. And um, yeah, so I, the the draw of the series is that it it's just unlike in a way it's unlike every anything you've ever played in a single video game. It's elements you'll recognize but all kind of condensed into one product that is very, very appealing. Yeah, for me, uh, the first... Uh, I only knew Kiryu from the memes of him dancing at the disco. Yes, yes. That's that's all I knew of, of Kiryu and the series in general before, um, I believe it was October or November that we did the episode, and you had said, uh, 
usually when it's when it's a new series or something it's uh, I, i'm being introduced through uh jordan and the podcast They're like mm. oh, let's let's take a look at this so uh, Yakuza Zero was the first game that I played, and uh, what sold me on the series was the uh, Majima introduction. Like the first time you see him in the uh, in, in the bar, come out as the manager. Uh, that's such that's a good such scene. That a kinda, good scene. Yeah, that solidified it for me because, like, uh, to me, the the Yaku- like the best part of Yakuza is, is the the cinematics, like the the story and the cinematics. To me, like. The fighting is fine. It's fun. It's, you know, it's, it's fun to run around, uh, Camarucho and do the fun mini games and, and the fighting is, is, uh, it, it's entertaining enough, but, uh, I, I'm really in it for the, the story and the scenes. And, uh, and it was that, that, that scene with uh, Majima that really, that just completely sold it. Like, it, it was just perfect with having, like, the businessmen come in and you have, like, the older guy who's, a little weird about being there and then the younger guy like oh no 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 this bar is great this bar is great uh you know it's the, the manager takes care of us here and then to see him come out and and to have that really long uh i think in in our podcast we had discussed like it was very like i could see how um I, I, tarantino obviously didn't invent the the style but it just <laughs> um to, to the vibe was was just the kind of that long I love the the long scenes where there's a lot of dialogue, um, and, and it's and it they're like keeping you on the edge of your seat the entire time. So that's the, so that was kind of like seeing like oh this is what this this series is about, and then and then to uh, like Kiryu, I, I completely echo um, both you guys with that. Kiryu is such a compelling character uh, that like very underrated in my uh, in my opinion, like. Mm-hmm. He, he, like if you're looking at leading men or leading heroes or whatever, like he he's he's got to be one of the coolest. Like how he just seems like he seems invincible. Like he really is the the dragon though. Like he 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 just he comes off as a very likable character, and even the little that he gives you, like you're you're all in for him. So uh, yeah, I pretty much echo the same thing. But yeah, that's the cinematics that are the the seller for me. Yeah, and on the on the note of like the cinematics uh i believe the series creator toshihiro Nagoshi actually went to film school hmm, that um, makes sense which is which is, you know, not to not to spoil the the origins and the history of the series a little bit but uh he's spoken about how like the yakuza film genre which never really made its way west that much but you know it's it you know crime movies you know stuff like you know that the outlaws uh mobsters very popular kind of movie genre they were a huge influence on on the yakuza game franchise yeah well it's a good segue because uh like you said nagoshi was the the one that's uh you know the the guy who started the series really wanted to do that story um important figure at sega he's uh been there a long time sega, sega executive and atlas board member and um so the and the first two like the first two that we're talking about kwami one and two um, they, he also, um, got some, supervised, I guess, by a, a Yakuza crime novelist. And I'm not even, I'm, I'm going to maybe leave the names to you guys because <laughs> I was looking at this and not even knowing where to start. Um, uh, Toshihito Bando and, uh, which is, is his, his real name. That's his real uh, name. His, yeah. Uh, his pen name is Hase Seishu. Yeah. Can we stop and so talk it, for a second about how Toshihiro, uh, Nagoshi looks like a character from Yakuza? 
<laughs> yeah, guy, I love it. Look at a, I just love it. Yeah. If you look at a picture of him yeah. from when he was working on Super Monkey Ball, he looks completely different. <laughs> and yeah. like, I kind of, I kind of think. Have you guys seen seen what he looked like at the time? I'm trying to find the before. I've got the after in front of me right yeah, now. I've, I've seen the after too. Yeah, I'm pulling it up now. Okay. It's. It's it's night and day actually. It's as if it's as if like it's a it's a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind of thing, you know. Like not yeah, not that you so, know he's an evil Mister Hyde or something, but just the 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 transformation is is definitely uh, a big one. We oh yeah, think the long he, the long hair next to the well, Super Monkey Ball, uh, and then what he looks like now with the short hair and the yeah. oh man <laughs> and the tan and everything. It's great. That's a, that's an artist becoming his character. Yeah, yeah. We kind of think he might have actually joined the Yakuza. <laughs> hey, if you if you're going in that deep to create a, you know to a better gaming experience for everybody, then kudos to you. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. I, I I love that. Like it's it's obviously like a, a kind of a part of his identity, right? That the creation of something is is part of who he is now, and maybe I mean, yeah, maybe it is. But you know, part of the kind of living this life or doing this research and all these things, like he's. He's really, really vibing with it, and yep, uh, more power to him, I say. Yeah, and um, something that he's spoken of uh, for, like, what he believes is the appeal of the Yakuza franchise um, and why it plays well in the West, uh, it's it's interesting. He, uh, he credits the series' success to the fact that it is unapologetically aimed towards a Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. And that gives it a very earnest feeling. Yeah. Um, it's not trying to, like, Westerners like it because it's not trying to pander to them yeah. in any way. And it feels very genuine. And it gives them the look into this this other culture that they're not really a part of. I mean, that that that's and, one of the issues with the, the first, uh, whatever games use that English dub, is that, that that is kind of pandering, right? It is taking away from the essence of these games, that they're Japanese-ness, I suppose. And... Yeah, I mean, you're right. In in 2020, uh, you know, after Yakuza Zero came out and all these kind of remasters, remakes, what have you, like, yeah, th- this is what people really want—an authentic experience that feels. It does feel like when you're playing these games, you are in Japan, right? Like, I, I've been to Japan. You know, it's it's an awesome place to visit. I can't wait to go back. But every time I play a Yakuza game, I feel part of me feels like I'm there. I, I'm reminded so much of what it is to be there. This this might be the perfect time for our uh, tangent that we had discussed uh, before the show. Oh God, no! Um, go ahead, go off, we, go off, Matt. <laughs> yeah, where we talk about the fact that after the first Yakuza came out, they decided to make a movie, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and uh, this was a live action movie in two thousand and seven. Uh, so yeah, I watched this film with my friends, and uh, at the end of it, my one friend said something that has stuck with me to this day. Um, it's an iconic line. He said, it's like a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Uh, so like a dragon is the Japanese title of the franchise. Ryuga Gotoku. Um, and and, not, and let's not confuse this with the, the upcoming seventh uh, game in the series. Yakuza like a dragon, which is the. One with a turn-based combat. Hopefully, I think is it coming west at the end of this year? Is it next year? I can't remember. If what... Uh, yes, and end of this year, I think. Yeah, it's already on uh, Japan, it... but yeah, I believe it's it's release date is November thirteenth. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah, um, cool. Which um, it took a while yeah. to come out in uh, in America or in in the West, mm-hmm. uh, which might have something to do with the fact that it's a uh, next gen exclusive to Xbox. <laughs> 
Uh, the hope is that it's just nothing like the movie, I suppose. But sorry, I I, I sidetracked yeah. the discussion. Can you continue? Well, the so I guess just to get into the movie, so the it the the plot is only loosely based on the game. Uh, and uh, if you do want to see it, it is on the Japanese Netflix. That's where I watched it. Unfortunately, no subtitles. Uh, so I I basically just you didn't miss much. No, <laughs> from what I've read, I did, it would have made even even less sense if I had known what was going on. There's a whole subplot about like the like those guys robbing the bank that like are just arguing with the bank tellers about <laughs> yeah. how there's no air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird because like so the 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 money so they still had that ten billion dollar yen plot line, but and I guess that was the point of the bank like the bank robbery was to was that they went in to steal the money, but the money wasn't there; it was already gone. But then you would it's think, like, but it's yeah. not that. <laughs> yeah. It's completely unrelated. Yeah, and then there's like two, there's like uh, teenage robbers that that have nothing to do with the game whatsoever, like completely not not even a part of it. Uh, and I don't know what was going on there, other than they were stealing like from convenience stores and stuff, and then seemed to be going to the places where like Majima and Kiryu had been or something. I don't know. Um, the only thing I could get from it was that Majima was the was supposed to be was like basically the the antagonist of the of the movie like the bad guy uh until the very end when Nishiki came out of nowhere <laughs> and you mm-hmm. really didn't know what what ha- like why he was there or anything and I don't even know that like the millennium tower was there but there was no I don't understand what the point was of the millennium tower was and then like Yuki was there but again like I don't know like it just it it made no sense to me, but it was fun to watch the the, the Majima fights. Like the guy, the the characters, um, like the the actors that played uh, Majima and Kiryu, I thought played them very well. Like I I at least felt like they they were portrayed well and and just the visuals. But uh, I, yeah, I have no idea what was going on in that movie, but it was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's a deeply strange movie. Um. Uh, like I, I've seen movies by that director Takashi Miike before, and I just I don't understand how this movie was also made by him. <laughs> uh, it's got an A plot, B plot, C plot, and D plot, and Kiryu's the D plot. <laughs> it's it's insane, and well, and Kiryu it, has his like dragon spirit. There there is a scene at the beginning where he gets into a fight in the convenience store for some reason. And when he punches a guy, he like flies across the room, and uh, Kiryu's uh, hand is like glowing blue. Yeah, and there, and there's a moment near the end where he actually drinks stamina and royale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it it and, is it is yeah. odd. <laughs> and my favorite scene in the is at the beginning as well when we first meet uh, Majima. He's uh, at a batting. He's doing like batting practice. Um, at batting cages, and somebody like I guess the guy lips him off or something. So he like. Majima nails him with his bat and the guy's like lying on the ground while it, while he's batting and so uh, Majima hits him in the gut which makes the guy like lean forward and as the and so then another ball is shot and Majima one hand uh, swings and hits uh, with his bat and hits the guy in the back of the head while simultaneously the ball is hits the guy in the front of the head and as the contact is made the ball is becomes a home run and uh, yeah, that feels like, that feels like something that could that could be like a finishing move in the game, right? Like that seems yeah. the kind of the, the slapstick mm-hmm. nature of it. I guess seems like something you you definitely experience with one of the heat moves in the, in the, the first or second game. 
And if I remember correctly, Majima is shot dead, but he still somehow manages to come back later on in the movie. I don't remember. It's again <laughs> par for the course, right? Like how many bullets? Yeah. How many in, in the course of a playthrough? How many bullets does Kiryu take? And he still keeps on popping back up. You know, like yeah, guns are definitely not uh, the the lethal weapons they might be in real life in the in the Yakuza games. Anyway, if anyone anyone wants to uh, be witness of this madness, then yeah, like I said, if if you uh, go to the Japanese Netflix with like a VPN or something like that, then uh, you can enjoy uh, an hour and 49 minutes of Yakuza glory. Sounds like it's definitely worth the trouble of acquiring a VPN and finding this <laughs> on Japanese Netflix. <laughs> But uh, I guess we should get back to the uh, the main topic of uh, maybe we should we'll start with Kiwami. Uh. So you've been playing that one, Dave, right? You've been playing the first Kiwami game. Like, what do you what do you think about that compared to Zero? I guess like what uh, it's been it's been yeah again it's been almost a year since we first played or at least since you first played uh, Yakuza Zero. Like what uh, uh, how do you how are you feeling about that that break between the games? It was it easy easy to kind of get back into that uh, the flow of things and the world and stuff like that. Yeah, like it really feels like just like an extension of of the Yakuza Zero because like I, I'm I'm happy that I played Zero before um, Kiwami because just because I know like all the characters, um, I was a little taken back about at how crazy Majima was in the in the Kiwami. I guess yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess I should have should have seen it coming to a certain extent, but um, Having having him be so weird and then like try to knife a guy at the very beginning of Kwame was interesting. Um, the, the I definitely like the dynamic between the two. Uh, I guess it was a little different because like in Yakuza Zero, you you're playing as both characters. Like you're you're playing as Kiryu for a while, then you play as Majima for a while. Whereas in this game, you're you're just just Kiryu. Um, so it was it was a little different that way. Uh, I still think Yakuza Zero. I I think. It, zero is still my favorite between the two, uh, but I, I I thought the the story was excellent. The only problem I had with uh, Kiwami is that um, I felt like the um, Jingu at the very end, kind of appearing as a villain, seemed uh, like it, it makes sense in the story, but it it just felt a little uh, like the guy came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jing- Jingu definitely is a much weaker villain. Uh, than Nishiki is, yeah, for sure. Um, to the point that, like, I genuinely I don't often remember Jingu's role. I don't. Does he even come up? I don't even a remember him coming up at times. Yeah, like it's very. I guess they they kind of tease it at the beginning with the um, with the shadowy organization, but the but then he's not really part of that until later on, and when you start to learn of like what happens with um, Yumi and stuff. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, He's not out of nowhere, and his role in the story does make sense. Yeah. But, like, the the, th- the through line of the game is, is Nishiki and Yumi, and I don't 
really care about Jingu. Yeah, yeah I guess... And his boss that, fight sucks. Yeah, well, I guess that was my thing, is is that it, it just seemed like delaying the true villain, or the true big final battle. Yeah. It's like, why Like why did we need this guy? I guess it was kind of my attitude at the time. It's, it's almost like, like yeah, tying just... up a loose end. Like, yeah, he does exist in the story, he has a role to play, but him being, like, the big bad, or being, you know, maybe the fight with him... Or the confrontation between him and Kiryu doesn't feel entirely earned necessarily, right? It's yeah. it's it is just kind of maybe wrapping up a loose end or something like that. But I yeah. guess it makes sense that it wasn't Nishiki that that was with Yumi, like I because I think that may have been disappointing or, or too obvious if it was if you learned that it was like him that was with her secretly or something. I don't know, like so I, something of a, of a mild tangent um it's it's weird that uh yakuza kiwami actually gives me a criticism of yakuza 0 mm. uh so like it's normal for like a sequel to introduce a character that we've never met before but yakuza kiwami is not a sequel to yakuza 0 it came out all, almost 10 years earlier so why is yumi never even mentioned in 0 it was really yeah, weird when I first point. played Kiwami, and they're yeah. talking about this childhood friend that we've never met or seen. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, so Matt, could, could, that's, could that's you like, say from from later games in the series that something similar like that happens? Like where, you know, a character is mentioned in, in a later game and that, you know, they've never appeared in an earlier game, but maybe they should have. Like, I I, I, th- I feel like that can be hard with a, a series where the, the numbered entries, they're, they're, they're very... It's one elongated story, right? It's not like, you know, Final Fantasy or something like that, or even, um, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of like Uncharted or something, where like it, maybe it's years and years later with you know, different characters coming in and out. But I wonder if later games, it, 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 maybe it's just a hard, I'm, I'm trying to say it's a hard, a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to kind of remember all the characters you need to bring up. That oh, th- this person's just not going to pop out of uh, pop out of nowhere or something like that. Yeah, I, I would say that there's not another example of that happening so egregiously okay, again. Fair, yeah. uh, there, there, there is kind of one example in the third game of like a secret family member that we've never yeah, heard mentioned yeah. before. But aside from that, I would say overall that's not something that this series does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it it's just. And it's not even something that this game did. It's it's something that Yakuza Zero messed up yeah. on. Um, but it's just it's just whenever I think of Kiwami, that's always the first thing I think of. Why was Yumi never even mentioned in Zero? And it's just it's weird because um, Zero is like a celebration of as much as the Yakuza franchise as it could be. Uh, there are references to what Kiryu ends up doing in the later games as, as when like a fortune teller talks to him. Majima runs into Ryuji Goda in one of his side stories. And um, it's a matter of like, well, obviously Haruka, who is the second most important character in the franchise, wasn't born mm-hmm. yet. So there was no way she could appear. Yeah. But Yumi could have. Yeah. And Yumi is a character that would benefit a lot from a little more screen time, just like Nishiki did. So it's it's a, a pretty big disappointment to me that we never really got to see that. 
that sounds like an interesting kind of interview question for for the writer or for some someone who developed the game. Like, what was the? I, I'm sure they th- I'm sure they considered putting her in zero, but what was the reasoning behind omitting her? Or, or was it a time constraint? Was it, did they want us to focus on other elements of zero or something like that? I don't know, but yeah, something something interesting you might want to ask uh, somebody at some point. Yeah, but I apologize for getting us off on my weird tangent. Not at all. Um, I, so yeah, so David, you you're you found the kind of transition between the two games from Zero to Kwame pretty easy. Um, are are you are you liking Kwame better than Zero? Like, how do you you know which one is uh you know kind of leaving uh, a better impression? Uh, I I like Zero better just because uh, I got to play as Majima. Yeah, he, he's uh, a lot of he's a, he's really fun to play as for sure. Yeah, so uh, I liked um. I, like I have a short attention span, so the fact mm-hmm. that we were switching from character to character uh, and, and the stories were split a little bit, I, I just felt like it was a good break. It's like okay, I get to see Kiryu for a bit and see what's happening there, and now I get to experience this story for a bit. And uh, the fighting styles were different too, so that so you, it, it felt different as you were going along. So I, I think that's kind of where my uh, where where I'm. I, I kind of lean towards zero more, but I, I I feel like they were kind of on par story wise though. Like obviously it's there's a lot of connections there, yeah. but um, I I think they were both solid stories. But yeah, I I think just just the way it was set up in in zero with the split, uh, it was my preference. One thing that surprised me about Kiwami was the fact that and, and maybe we're maybe we're conditioned by kind of the the capitalism and consumerism of video games and the fact that Kiwami release is a, a discounted title i think it was 39.99 mm-hmm. at launch maybe uh so uh, 29, 29 so ha- well, half the i don't know how much canadian yeah was, that, that, that's where that's US my mistake was... I'm, I'm doing it in canadian yeah so half the price yeah. of a normal retail title but when, when i first played the game so i guess i went in with this impression like oh this is going to be a pretty short game you know maybe eight to ten hours or something just a, a you know a, a budget a budget yakuza game or a smaller yakuza game but it's not at all like it's a very full-fledged you know all, all the side the side content mini games all that stuff like fully explorable environment like it, it felt like a very very meaty game like it, i i'm i'm almost surprised it came out at that discounted uh price like i i don't know if you guys are uh kind of thinking the same the same way i am but i, I was just surprised by how much content was in it like it's yeah it's not as much as zero but it's still a lot there's still a lot to do in that game yeah, I, I think the thing about it is that it's a game that's very good at hiding how much of a budget game it was, hmm. um, because a lot of it is reused content. Uh, okay. um, obviously, the the entire scenario is reused from the original. Hmm. The animations are all reused from the original, except for the Nishiki scenes. Um, and even even some things that appear to be new, um, like when, when Officer Majima sneaks up behind you and like grabs your shoulder, that <laughs> oh, animation awesome. is lifted <laughs> It's lifted straight from <laughs> Majima's introduction in Zero when he's handing the guy the, to- the towel. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the same exact animation, and it's a it's that's kind of why it was released at that half price. Mm-hmm. And in, additionally, I don't think it's quite as good. Um, the fact that it sticks so closely to the original game's structure kind of hurts it in a couple places. Um. So it, and it's like whenever people start playing it, like I kind of warn yeah. them, like, well, you know, there's there's a reason that it's MSRP was half price. I mean, I think those those are fair points. I just I feel like we're like nowadays you see remasters and remakes coming out at at full price. You know, I think of you know Nintendo's been kind of guilty of doing that, but this is a game 
jump effectively jumping two generations right from ps2 to ps4 and then coming out at that price like i guess i i guess i just went in with lower expectations and maybe that's why i enjoyed the game more uh d- despite the flaws that you mentioned matt like i i felt like i was definitely getting my money's worth from this game i wonder if the, the, the they would have known that the remasters for the rest were coming later so i wonder if this was a gambit or a mm-hmm. gamble to get people into the series that weren't in it before. Like, because there, I'm sure a lot of people would look at the MSRP and be like, nah, I'm not dropping $60 on this I mean, thing I, that I, I have I no th- idea about. I don't think anyone was going in playing, oh, I'm going to play Yakuza Kiwami first, and then I'll play Zero. Like, I imagine, like, th- this was capitalizing on people who played and enjoyed Zero, and now they all want to go back and play these games. They're not going to go back to the PS2 version, right? Like, presumably, there's no way digitally or otherwise to get that unless it's on original hardware. So it's a way of bringing forward the two PS2 games in in the form of Kwame 1 and 2 when you had 3, 4, and 5 on PS3, which is fairly accessible, right? And I think they were on PSN as well. And then six obviously came to PS4. Like maybe it was just a way of bringing forward those older games to the modern audience, right? So I I believe like the development timeline and history. Um, Kiwami actually came out in Japan before Zero came out in America. Really? Okay. But oh, okay. But yes. not but Zero in Japan before Kiwami in on in Japan. Yeah, yes. Okay. They, they they all came out in the same order in Japan. Okay. Just much much earlier gotcha, gotcha. Uh, six actually came out in japan around the same time as zero as mm, well okay as zero in america um and, <laughs> it's a lot to uh, keep track the, of <laughs> yeah. yes uh well and five was like a three-year delay mm. because they had actually given up on localizing the uh the series right. and sony actually stepped in it was like hey we'll fund this okay. uh but so the um the uh, kiwami was originally made for the franchise's 10th anniversary uh, which was 2016 and they ended up making the future remakes specifically for the West. Um, that is, that is something that uh, Nagashi has said. I believe a couple other people on the team has said uh, Kiwami two and the remaster of three, four and five were all made specifically for Western fans. Right. Well, I guess I mean, maybe almost in anticipation of the seventh game coming, right? As you mentioned, Matt, like it's it's a Western exclusive to Xbox when it, at, it's at a, launch. It's a, well, it's a next gen exclusive next gen. on Xbox. Yeah, yeah, and all I think all these are in Game Pass now too. They've right? all, yeah, like, they've all kind of yep, gradually been coming is, to I Game think. Pass. So that's I mean that's a good get for Xbox for sure. Yeah, uh, it's. Um, I would say it's it's on like the tail end of being up and coming yeah, uh, yeah, in the West yeah. to to like it's it's just about big. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of like a big Internet meme was just based on uh, one of the karaoke songs, Bakabitai, and it was the focus of a PewDiePie video. Hmm. So it's like it's getting more mainstream recognition yeah. than ever. Which and why I guess and we keep jumping forward to different games in the series, but I guess that's kind of just par for the course with these <laughs> games. But like that—that's funny that at the t- you mentioned it, at the tail end of the popularity or people becoming aware of this game and then changing up the formula with this upcoming one seems like such a a curveball. But I guess again, yeah, that seems like it's just a yakuza thing to do now, right? No one, no one really mentions Dead Souls either, right? Like I don't know if you've played that one, Matt. That was a, a horror spinoff, I guess, of the series. 
It is the only Yakuza game that was released in the West that I have not played. Mm. Um, Did it come to Wii or Wii U? Would... Um, am I... No. Okay. Uh, so a- an HD re-release of 1 and 2 came to, to right, Wii U. Yeah. Not Kiwami, just an HD port of the PS2 and games. And not and only in Japan, right? That didn't come to the West, if I'm not mistaken. Right. right. <laughs> um, there... There are also uh, two other games, uh, Yakuza Kenzan and Yakuza Ishin, mm. that never came west, that uh, take place in uh, feudal Japan. Okay. Um, and they're kind of like the holy grail right now of like, yo, can we get Yakuza Ishin, yeah. please? That's a, that sounds really but, cool, that moving the moving the set and back, uh, you know, centuries or something like that. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah. Um, um, but o- overall... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just such a weird timeline of how this game happened and dead souls, uh, sold so poorly Mm. that it was the reason that they decided, okay, we're, we're, it's not coming to the West anymore. (laughs) And then five came out in, uh, 2012 in Japan and 2015 in, in the West. Uh, and it was a big, it was part of Sony's big push. Hey, what franchises do you want to see on PS4? Mm -hmm. And like, they put it up they put it up to like fans to like say what they wanted and fans said we want yakuza so sony went to sega and said hey can you bring us yakuza 5 right. yeah and i and i wonder if, i i don't know are. if it was you know originally or or, or at, at the beginning was a was a ps plus game but it, it probably hit the system or hit that uh, hit that service pretty quickly so you know that when sony is kind of invested in something they do try to put it on that service to get as many people into it as possible which seems to be a gamble that's yeah. paid off in the west for sure yeah. yeah uh five five sold well enough in america in the mm-hmm. west to say, well, now we'll bring over Zero. Yeah. And then Zero, of course, explosively successful. David, maybe we can skip uh, the cinematic part, because I know we've touched on that a little bit, and just move to the RPG mechanics. Yep. So I think that's a, a really interesting feature of both of these games. They both do the skill trees specifically in a different way. Um, Matt, you've, you've played Kwame 1 and 2. Um, do you have a preference mm-hmm. for uh, either of the skill trees or the way uh, progression works in either game? Oh, the skill tree in Kiwami 2 sucks. Mm. <laughs> it's 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 lifted straight from 6. Yeah. 6 has the exact same skill tree, and I hate mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I think it's really bad. Why? Uh, you know, I, I actually like it, so I want to know why you don't like it. What do you think is... Why, why do you think it's bad? I'm not disagreeing. I, I just... I, the I, way, I do like it. I hate the way that it has, like, five different kinds of experience points that all go into different things, yeah. and you get them in different ways, and it's just, it takes forever to get some stuff done, mm. and it's, like choosing between okay doing do i increase my health or do i make it so i can use this specific heat move uh and those are different experience points but they're also experience points that overlap and they're experience points that i could be using on increasing my sprint time i could be you uh i could put it into like the the hostess club mini games Mm -hmm. it's there's just too much going on with it and it's like there are some the experience points are not created equal You don't get the same experience points for everything. So it's just sometimes, like, I'm left, like, I have 3,000 purple experience points and, like, five of every other yeah, experience yeah. point. There's definitely that paralysis of choice, but then, yeah, also maybe uh, a lack of balance between how you spend them and, and or what the what the value of each of those is, is like. And you mentioned the purple one, the fifth uh, of the, the different uh, experience types. It, it does seem like you're using that one less, but I, I know I was looking at the one of the ones. I don't know if it's the heat move one or uh, there there are the, one of the categories uh, of things you can level up. 
there's like hundreds of things. I feel like there's hundreds of things you can choose to level up or half of them you've already unlocked when the game starts or that, you know, there's this takedown when they hold it, when a person's holding a gun, a takedown when they're holding like a box, a takedown when they're holding a sword. Like there's so many different um, small, small uh, things you can unlock, I guess, that it is. Yeah, it does seem like maybe a little bit overwhelming or too much. Um, I, I, I totally, yeah. I, again, I buy that. What I do like is that I can go into a restaurant, order like a hamburger, and I get experience points for doing that. And then there's a system. Well, only if you're not. Full. That's true. There's a system where, yeah, you your 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 stomach. You have basically a stomach meter where if your stomach is empty through you know running around or fighting enemies and such, you can go into a store or a restaurant, buy food, and that will fill up your stomach meter, uh, but also reward you with experience points. I just thought that was a kind of a funny mechanic. Like you don't really. See, I've never really come across something like. Like that in a game so i did like the way experience points were awarded in this game or the maybe the different things you could do to earn them even if spending them isn't necessarily as satisfying or as uh you know uh, interesting as uh, as it might have been in a previous game or a different game yeah I, j- I just find the choice paralysis to be a lot yeah. um because there's a there's a very clear like point a to point b on like all the skills in uh zero and kiwami mm-hmm. And then Kiwami 2, it's, I don't even think like the menu is laid out very well. Yeah. It's just, there's so, there's so much that I have to dig through to like, even just find like, well, what do I already own? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can I just see stuff that I don't already have? For someone, for I, someone I, rushing through the game, like I, like I tend to, I, I liked the ability to just, okay, I just want to level up my health my defense, my attack ability, my heat meter. I, th- those four things I really care about. It's very easy for me to just level those up without having to worry about all these different moves I can unlock. Whereas in the, in Kwame one and zero uh, with the kind of the circle based skill tree, uh, I found maybe choosing the things I wanted to level up and using money to purchase those a little bit more cumbersome, or I couldn't get to level up the certain things that I wanted without going through a bunch of crap I didn't. So I, I guess dep- it maybe it depends a little bit on your playstyle as well, which progression mechanic you like you might prefer. I do like that uh, that the. Um, progression in Kwame um, is kind of almost baked into the plot line, though. Hmm. Whereas, like you, you start off as like the invincible dragon, and it's the ten years in prison that takes away <laughs> your skills. Yeah, and you're yeah. earning them back. So it's it's kind of neat that the that it's involved in the story, and I like that you have to fight Majima to get uh, to get stuff back. And and few sequels do that, right? Few sequels give a narrative explanation for why you're so underpowered and why you don't have the abilities you used to have. Like why are you why are you so weak now when you were a total boss at the end of one game and then the second one starts and you're a weakling again, right? Like what happened there? It, it's nice yeah. that this one's got that yeah that built-in narrative excuse for it. Yeah, and I am uh, unfortunately like one of the best moves of the dragon style is locked behind this freaking pocket racing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, no thanks. Uh, I managed to go through, like, the first time I played Zero, I literally never found the pocket circuit racing. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. So I stumble across it in Kiwami, and, like, there's this cutscene about, like, oh, remember when you were a pocket circuit racer, Kiryu? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's, not, that's really great, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the side stories, the the mini games, it, it just it adds such a charm and such a kind of a vitality to the world, right? Like you you really do feel like every time you play this game, you could stumble on something new or go to a place you've never been before. Even as you keep going back to Kamurocho, it changes with every game, right? It's, it's, a lot of it does stay the same, but the areas you go, the places you visit, the things you do, those do change. The one uh, 
the one part that I didn't like in Kwame, not a big deal, but I, I felt like a, there, it, it was mostly easy to follow along what to do, but there was like a couple quests where the, where you had to do something and I had like no clue what they wanted me to do. Like when they were the, specifically, I'm thinking of like when, uh, Haruku finds the, the dog and you're supposed to find a plate and, uh, I think it's like a plate and water or something. And initially I'm like, okay, am I supposed to go like buy food from a restaurant? Cause it's usually like they point out on the map, like go here to get this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, so I'm looking yeah. at the map and I was like, okay, like, well, where do I get the plate? So I like, I went into a sushi restaurant and bought something and I'm like, ah, maybe it's like I eat the sushi and then use the plate. It's like, nope, that didn't work. So then I went and bought, um, she, she kept saying like, no, no, you just, it's like, it, oh, it just has to be a bowl or something. So I'm like, all right. So I went to a noodle place, bought something there and I'm like, here, use this. And she's like, no, no, I need a bowl. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I like ended up Googling it. It was like, well, if you go to this specific, uh, convenience store, then you could literally buy the item plate. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and the store wasn't even like, it wasn't even close to where the dog was. It was on the other side of the map. Hmm. Was it highlighted That's... on the mini map? Like, was there any indication that, no. that that was the place you're supposed to go? No. Hmm. No highlight yeah. at all. Weird. Yeah. That's that's where I start to feel like th- this is very 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- that's one of those instances where it's like they they stuck too close to it. They're, the other one that really that really got to me was the um like the different colored gangs. Mm. Like I <laughs> to this day I couldn't tell you what you're supposed to do. I have to look it up every time. I it's it's bizarre, it's weird, and it's it's very 2005. We got to make this game last. Yeah. 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 Like I, 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 I haven't finished the second one. I think I'm about halfway through. I'm a chapter nine or ten or something like that. So I haven't done the uh the Majima uh portion of Kwame two. Matt, could you speak to that a little bit? Just so I, I kinda know what to expect or people that haven't played Kwame two know should know that there's a uh, a few chapters where you do play as Majima. How does that how does that work? Is it is it just more of the same? It's all right. Um, if you play it alongside like the main campaign, then you can get items that you can send to Kiryu to increase your money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Otherwise, just blaze, just blaze through it and uh, and like get to the get to the cutscenes and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's I don't really like the Majima Saga in Kiwami, and that's 2. an addition that wasn't in the original uh, Yakuza Two. Is that right? Uh, correct. Yeah. It is honestly, it's it's a lot. It's mostly fan service for Zero mm-hmm. because it's Majima's first time going back to Sotenbori. Right. Okay. And it's cute. Um, one of the characters in it is played by Takahito Iyasu, who is Dio in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. That was honestly my favorite part <laughs> of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, the gameplay of it is is also like you don't like you're not allowed to like buy healing items. Oh no. And I rely so much Majima's, on healing items. <laughs> Majima's power set is like pretty limited. Mm. Does he have the baseball bat um, at least? He has the Mad Dog style. Okay. Um, so it's the boss battle version of Majima. Um, modern Majima. And I don't know if you guys uh, picked up on this, but the the three fight styles that, um, that Majima and Kiryu have in Zero, they are actually like broken down versions of the Dragon style and the Mad Dog style. Um, there's clear point A to point B on everything that they can do in Zero that leads to the fight styles they're known for in the rest of the franchise. And so Majima's Mad Dog style is what you get in the Majima Saga, and it's just it's just kind of okay. Yeah. Cool. Was was there any uh, specific story beats that you guys wanted to uh, highlight in Kiwami 1 or 2? 
I feel like um, just just one quick thing about Kiwami too. Again, I haven't finished it yet, but I feel like uh, uh, it's Ryuji uh, Goda. Ryuji Goda. Ryuji Goda. I feel like he's a very compelling villain. Like he. He, he's clearly, you know, kind of matches Kiryu in terms of power. Uh, he's got this presence about him. Whenever he's around, he feels very imposing, intimidating. Like, he's you know, obviously has legions of followers. Uh, but he, I think he makes for a very compelling villain. Like, I'm curious to see how, you know, how those kind of final battles with him work out. Like, I... One reason that it, uh, I took a break is I was you know, busy with work and stuff, but I'm eager to get back and see how that resolves with Kiryu because he feels he f- it very much feels like an equal. I guess kind of like Nishiki did, Nishiki did in the in the previous games, like felt like a a worthwhile foe for Kiryu. And when when you're playing a game that involves Kiryu just beating the crap out of hundreds and hundreds of enemies that feel like just kind of minions or weak you know uh, weaklings, right? Again, uh, to have someone that does feel very uh, intimidating, scary, like they, they, they do match you. They Maybe they are even stronger than you and you need to get better to be able to beat them. Like I, I feel like that's uh, definitely something that drives you to finish the game and, and I do want to see it through for that reason. I think Ryuji's a, uh, certainly a better, I feel like a better villain than, than anyone from uh, Kiwami 1 for sure. Uh, Goda is my favorite villain in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, I think I think saying that he's better than anyone Kiwami one sells Nishiki a little. Yeah, short, to that's be fair. That's fair. I do I do but, like Nishiki, Nishiki a lot, but Goda just feels it's different. I feel like he's Nishiki because they had the previous relationship with Kiryu. It was I didn't I was never like all that intimidated by Nishiki, but Goda feel like I, I feel like he's he's scary. He's he's imposing. Like I I don't I don't know how Kiryu beats him. Yeah, and um, Goda. I, I really, really love the story that they have going on of proving which one is the real dragon. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, like, I'll try to talk around this a little bit uh, you. since you haven't finished. <laughs> but the way the way that uh, the game concludes with the, the final battles against Goda, it's, it's such an incredible moment for both Goda and Kiryu's characters. Mm. Um, because... At a glance, it's it feels like it's kind of a stupid thing uh, that doesn't make sense. It's like these characters are being stupid because we have to have this happen in the story. But it's it's actually when you when you think more about it, it's because the lifestyle of Yakuza is ingrained in both of these characters, and it does a lot to set up a conflict that Kiryu has for the remainder of the franchise, where. No matter how much he wants to be away from the Yakuza, the Yakuza will always be a part of him. So the the, the game's ending, the final fu- the final moments between these two characters are are very much the Yakuza lifestyle, and I appreciate that a lot for what it does for the storytelling. And I think that Goda is the best adversary that Kiryu ever had because he is the one that is like Kiryu's truest equal. Yeah. And on the note of, of other um, other story moments from two, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but I I, I like Kiryu's uh, relationship with Sayama. Uh, Sayama, I feel like was a, a pretty great character in two, and uh, it is a crime that she was thrown out of the series, yeah. <laughs> and just is never important ever again. Like the 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 lead writer switched over on the next game, and you can feel the the writer at the beginning of three getting rid of the character. <laughs> for for those that it's for those om- that don't know, Matt, who is Sayama? Uh, Sayama is a uh, she is a police detective 
uh, with uh, the organized crime division in Osaka. Uh, and she is sort of the deuteragonist of uh, Yakuza 2. Um, she is tied into the overarching plot of the game with the uh, the Jingwon Mafia that is um, that is working with Gota to take down the Tojo clan. And she, I, I really like her. She is a she's a character from outside of the Yakuza that understands how the Yakuza works and is sort of adversarial to Kiryu while still being an ally to him. And it's it, it's it's a role that, in a way, it feels like it's a role that Date should be feeling should uh, a role that Date should be filling. But Sayama fills it a lot better in my opinion. Date almost and seems like a little bit of a father figure to Kiryu, right? Or or like a like a buddy, whereas uh a little Sayama's bit yeah. more she holds her own, right? She's kind of definitely doesn't put up with crap from Kiryu, you know, especially at she she has her own character. She has her own ground to stand, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And 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 it is it is so frustrating to me hmm. that they throw her out of the series. Yeah. <laughs> and uh like there's pre-order DLC for Yakuza Seven where you can get uh, you can get outfits of different <laughs> characters throughout the series, yeah. and you can ha- you can get Sayama's outfit, and it's the first time she's been referenced in like a decade. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, remember this character? We we clearly don't care. We don't give a shit about. Yeah, well, you could dress you could dress like her. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Yeah. It's like I, I can almost feel like the writers reluctantly working on Kiwami 2 being like, oh, God, we can't get rid of her, can we? We need, we need to come up with some paid DLC. How far back can we go? Right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's funny. Um, D- David, you have you have did you end up finishing Kiwami, the first game? Uh, yeah, pretty, I think, uh, to the end. And then I watched, like, the last hour or so, I think, yeah. on what, YouTube. Uh, but... What about that one in terms of story beats uh, really, really grabbed you? Or what, what do you remember fondly? The story was like seeing what Nishiki had to go through, I think was like, I can't imagine that not being in the game. Like, I, I think I'd be disappointed having, if I had played the original and not the, the remake, because I think that yeah, adds it's, it's so much. It ha- like, it, it builds, like, he'd be almost a faceless villain by the end without all that stuff. Like, it, mm-hmm. it fills in so many gaps. So- and it, and um, because I played the first, like playing zero and, and having them become friends, like you really need the context of why, like why during these 10 years did he become like, did he ha- have so much hatred for Kiryu when he finally gets out and you see what he has to go through, like with his sister and with getting his own family, but then like kind of reluctantly getting it. Like nobody really thinks he deserves it, but it's a, like, well, Kiryu's not around. So I guess you have to. Mm-hmm. You have to get this, and then, um, and then really like they were setting him out to fail, and and then the to to, to see him snap when when he realizes he got scammed by the doctor, and like I, I just yeah I just I found his his arc was uh, very very well done like the it, it, yeah just it would it would boggle my mind that it wasn't in there before. I'm glad they added it because mm-hmm. it's it, it adds so much. Yeah, Nishiki's arc is why I tell... Like, I can't tell people this when I'm saying it, but it's like, Nishiki is the reason to play Yakuza 0 first. Because you need Yakuza 0 for for his arc to really hit in Kiwami. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I, you, you want to see these characters as as brothers before they become, you know, kind of mortal enemies or, or become, you know, 
opposite sides of the spectrum, I suppose. But but yeah. I also love the uh, the dynamic between Kirio and uh, Majima as well in in Kwame. Like it's to like like Matt was saying with the scene where he's <laughs> where he's the cop and he yeah. pats him down on the street and he's a because at the time I I didn't actually have any weapons on me, so he was he becomes like <laughs> mad that that he can't fight you for because you don't have a weapon. So I had to like go to oh, the store. That's that's great. I had to go to the store to buy uh, buy something, and he's like, "Oh, great, you got it." And, and then we get into the fight. Um, yeah, it's just, and then he's always popping up and he's like, and it's, it's such a, uh, a, a neat relationship because like Majibo always wants to fight him, but it's never, there's, there's like, it's a, a total admiration for Kiryu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I yeah, can't get the... over the way he calls him Kiryu-chan. It's so, it's, it's so obnoxious <laughs> that it's just hilarious that he keeps doing it. So, oh, I love that. It's so it's it's kind of crazy. The the English dub of Yakuza One kept that. Oh really? <laughs> That's really so good. you so so you have Mark Hamill walking around mentioning Kazuya Chan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so actually uh, on on that note, if you don't mind me bringing up the Majima Everywhere system, yeah, go. Or yeah. I I can't I can't remember what the localized name ended up being. Uh, I know in one territory it's the Majima Everywhere system, and in the other it's Majima Anywhere. I think it's um, everywhere, but that, that, that's the one I remember. But It's something that I feel like overstays its welcome a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> yeah, um, because by the end of the game, you kind of get to the point where it's just like, dude, I just want to, I just want to move on. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this and you're getting in my way. And there's actually one moment where the Majima anywhere system directly harms the story because in the original game, uh, so you fight, Majima in the like in the baseball or uh, the the batting cages yeah and like Majima like gets stabbed there and then he gets rushed off and you don't see him again for several hours until you get until you get to the uh, the brothel Mm -hmm. Uh, and Kiryu has that line Majima you're still alive (laughs) (laughs) but in in Kiwami you've been seeing Majima for constantly for hours so what they did was they added this brand new mission where you go to the docks and just fight some guys, and then one of them pushes Majima into the ocean, and Kiryu looks and he says, "Oh no, Majima! Well, I better get going." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. So that he could say, "Majima, you're still yeah, alive." Yeah, that's great. That's that's really good retconning there. But how can you not love Majima? Majima is great. Matt, you, you, you uh, said like... Oh, I can't it, complain it, it, with it, more Majima. That that system almost overstays its welcome, but that's the character, right? The character is constantly trying to annoy you and get in your way. Like, that's par for the course <laughs> yep. with him. Like, it, would, it wouldn't make sense for Majima. Oh, you know, you're in the last hour or two of the game. Okay, just go and run through it. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be his yeah. style, right? So, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, is, it is that, and... that, that kind of genuineness that has served the series so well with the characters and the story and the environment. And sometimes I feel like it's, it's kind of a shame that I say, you know, you have to play zero first or else Nishiki doesn't hit quite the same. Um, And I feel like Majima's story hits a lot better when you know him Mm. in Yakuza zero, because you're seeing how he became the person that he is. Um, And it's such, it's a good thing that it's written so well that even if you don't know who he is, it still hits hard. Um, because Majima, Majima is one of the most popular characters in the franchise. Uh, that's why he was playable in Zero, mm-hmm. 
and he he keeps getting better. I feel like yeah. uh, the more like a, as you see more of him as the franchise goes on, he he just gets better and better, and uh, he he really is incredible. Uh, Majima seems like a good place to leave off because you know he's such a, a fan favorite character, and yeah, I know we we all kind of have a fondness for him. Uh, so yeah, so for this episode's last call, I, we like we were, we had mentioned there was a, a new Yakuza coming out uh, already out in Japan, but it's coming out uh, in the West uh, at the end of November. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and this uh, the difference with this one is that I don't believe Kurio is in it. Kurio is in it, and the biggest difference though is that it's going to be turn based combat instead of like the action based fighting. And I guess my question to you guys, I don't know if. Have you, um, Matt, have you played this game at all? I have played the demo. Um, there is a Japanese demo that you can get on PSN right now. Um, I have not played the full game to any extent. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't super impressed with the demo. Um, I think, first of all, there is some disappointment from me just inherently getting away from the brawler style combat. Because, just frankly, not a lot of games are doing brawler combat the way that Yakuza was. So I, I, I do find it to be kind of disappointing to see that going away. Um, but also, as anyone who's played Kiwami 2 or 6 can tell you from the Clan Creator minigame, RGG Studio struggles when they're making a new kind of combat. <laughs> so I kind of inherently don't really trust them with new combat. Um, and... It's probably better when I can, you know, read the menus, but I just found the pacing of it to be so arduous. It's, it felt like it took so much longer to, to do the random fights, um, because it's like, it's a full turn-based, uh, classic RPG setup, but the characters still exist in the world on the dragon engine and they need to like run all the way forward to their opponents, do these full animations and all of it has to happen like in this engine that was built for a brawler. And it's, it just, it feels so sluggish. Um, I can't speak to like the actual quality of the RPG combat. Like I said, cause I, I can't read the menus. I don't speak Japanese. And I, the point that I'm at right now is I've never disliked a Yakuza game. I owe them this chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will buy the game. Uh, I, I, I owe them that much. Uh, I've played eight RGG Studio games and loved all of them. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them the chance here. It's but I'm not really optimistic about it. Um, I'm fine that we have a new protagonist and a new setting. Uh, because 6 was the conclusion of Kiryu's story. So the new guy, uh, Ichiban Kasuga, um, I have no problem with getting a new character but i just i'm not sure i'm gonna like where the gameplay is going <laughs> i'm i'm used to having the argument the other way around <laughs> because there's so many we've had like turn-based combat turn into action-based combat mm-hmm. uh, especially like with final fantasy 7 remake where you know there's the debates of you know the original was turn-based and we don't like that it's going to action and to see 
some like a long running series switch its trademark like to me the the combat was like a trademark like if i was the if you're if you just say like name the three biggest things in yakuza i would say the cinematic cutscenes, kiryu and the combat like those are the three things that stick out to me so to take so in, like in this new game like i it makes sense for the new character because obviously like you said kiryu's story ended in six so you, you're moving on which is fine but to to switch the combat at the same time seems like an odd choice at the like at at such a weird like like maybe maybe they saw it as a transition period that they could get away with it because they're moving on to the new setting the new character why not have this time be where we switch the combat but i i yeah i don't i don't know where the motivation comes to switch it to turn based i guess I, I don't I don't think they're going to keep it like I feel like it's just a curveball you know it, they're just doing something different it's the end of Kiryu's story it's a chance to start a new series or a new uh, a new protagonist story or it's also a chance to just try some new things right try a new combat system try yeah, a different environment try new things like now that you've concluded a story you kind of have that blank slate to start anew and i don't know that they're going to keep the turn-based combat it's not like i was reading one review from uh a metacritic but it's ign japan uh gave it a 78 and they're really really heavily panning the the combat uh but saying that the rest of it does feel like a yakuza game and so it sounds like you're still going to get a lot of that yakuza experience but without the the typical brawler combat that we've come to know and love and i i i'm perfectly fine with them trying something new uh the the like a dragon subtitle kind of alluding to dragon quest right uh but also kind of it, it's mm-hmm. also punning on the uh is it punning on a, a previous subtitle uh matt is that correct or am i getting it uh it is it is the title of the franchise in japan yeah so uh, like a dragon is is ryugako so it's almost kind of like what resident evil did with resident evil 7 right how resident evil, it was resident evil 7 biohazard or something like that and biohazard is the name yep. of the japanese game i mean maybe they're they're kind of playing off of each other because that was kind of the seventh game this is kind of the seventh game as well and so they're doing something fun like that um i don't know i i i, I think it can be successful without Kiryu uh, as much as I love him I think that uh, they you these people clearly have the talent to write compelling characters and so th- let, let's see what they can do with some new ones right we don't need to keep seeing the same things over and over again like do I want this next Yakuza game to have Kiryu in action-based combat I mean I know I would like that but I, I think that it's just time to try something new, right? I, I was already feeling serious fatigue in Kiwami 2. It's the third game I've played, right? Like, I'm already feeling like I'm seeing the same things over and over again. So I'm, I'm happy they're going somewhere new. This might even be the next uh, game in the series that I play, even though I have I have six. Uh, I have a physical copy of six I'd like to get into, but I just don't know that I can, in a, in a calendar year, if I can play three uh, different Yakuza games. <laughs> so uh, maybe I have to space them out, you know, one one per year or something like that. But I'm, I'm excited for this watch, game for sure. You could watch watch six on YouTube. Just, yeah, just right, the cinema yeah. scenes. Yeah. Just the cinema scenes. So- I have read ahead enough to tell you that you are safe jumping into you're safe jumping into seven. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I figured that there are some references back to the Kiryu saga, Mm. but but not. Do you think that maybe not like heavy, heavy spoilers? Maybe smaller things. No. Okay. You'll 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 be fine. That's good to know. Um, I I I mean I wasn't it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to jam through five five more of them like later (laughs) this year. This wasn't uh, in the card. So yeah. and yeah, the the like the the dual meaning of the subtitle being both yeah, 
like a dragon it's the series name and also you know like dragon mm-hmm. quest it's it's part of what worries me so yeah. much because they're 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 leaning so heavily on dragon quest that i'm worried that it's not going to have its own identity the identity of uh, like i said i can't read the menus i don't know if the combat is actually just dragon quest i don't really know how the flow of the rpg battles mm-hmm. go besides the fact that i think the animations take way too yeah. long um but like I'm wor- I'm I'm worried that this isn't going to be like a dragon. It's going to be like a dragon. Yeah. This is not part of Game Pass, I don't believe, right? Like it's it's going to be exclusive to Series X, but I but it, like you have to buy it, I guess. I mean, there's not a ton of third it's not a ton of third-party games that are coming straight to Game Pass, right? Like they, I think Microsoft has paid them a lot of money to get them to be on Game Pass day one, right? Like, Cyberpunk's not doing that. Yeah. I doubt Call of Duty would ever do that, right? Like, it's really just... I mean, Microsoft acquiring all these studios is because they is, is now all of those can be Game Pass day one, right? It's why they, they went out and all this kind of buying spree before the launch of the new console. Uh, and now, with, without Halo, I mean, they're even in, yeah. in, in more dire straits in terms of needing stuff on Game Pass or needing stuff for Series X day one. So I don't even know what's going to be there, but... It's funny that this is effectively the this is now the launch title for Series X. <laughs> it's on PS4 and Xbox One though. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's well, not like it's exclusive. Halo was also going to be on Xbox One. Yeah, but yeah you, I it's mean, just you weirder. would want to play this if you had an X Gen console and there it was releasing there. I think you'd want to play a game like this. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I'm thankful it's on Steam because that's where I'm going to mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. I yeah, can, I it know. probably won't be exclusive for long because like because I guess it, like we still don't know the details but Sony had said that any game that's playable on PlayStation 4 that comes out after July 15th is playable on PS5 yeah and, and there will be a PS5 version of Yakuza 7 I've I've been saying this whole time oh it's a next gen exclusive but it's a timed, timed exclusive yeah 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 probably 6 months to a year which, I would guess right like that's, that's which sure I mean standard. like I don't even know if it'll be that long mm. if it's on PS4 I don't know it's it's such a weird it's it's a weird deal like I've never seen this kind of deal where it's uh an Xbox exclusive but only on the new consoles you can still get it on PlayStation on current mm. gen I've never seen that before I mean yeah, I think we're it's... we're getting to a, a very weird time with the launch of these next gen consoles which don't seem to be a huge step up and then with with the with the pandemic everything getting pushed back to next year like it's going to be it could be a very very muted launch right and and people might not be rushing out to buy new consoles that don't have the games there it's a it's going to be a weird console generation just overall. Yeah. Um I remember I'm I've been having trouble like finding like sources on this, but I remember when we were first talking about like oh PS5 and the next Xbox uh like there were words being thrown around where of like oh these are going to be like luxury items like we like we're going to be proud of how much this is going to cost to buy and then oops the global economy crashes. Yeah. So <laughs> What's it going to look like? It's very true. I mean, I, I saw the dates. The dates may have leaked today or someone may have announced them. I saw November 7th for Series X and then either November 13 or 20, but more likely 13 for PS5. Um, I can't believe we still don't know those dates yet. I think that's uh, I think that's very surprising. Um, there's definitely more information to come from both, both sides, I would say, in terms of releases and, and dates and things and prices, hopefully later this month. But 
yeah, we're just living in a time of everything's very touch and go. You know, we don't know really anything that's mm-hmm. coming from Nintendo aside from Pikmin. Um, we just don't have, we don't have dates for for much. So I don't know. And I've I've heard someone ex- I heard someone explain like that's probably why we don't have dates for these consoles yeah. because. Yeah. Like, maybe Microsoft and Sony don't know for sure because the supply lines are getting messed up. I don't I don't think they want to put out a date and then say pre-orders are open and then people pre-order and then it gets delayed. Like, I, I, I that's the surest the surest way for someone to jump from one console to the next is to say, you've mm-hmm. already gave us money, but now you're not getting what you paid for on the day we said you were going to get it. Uh, you're just asking for people to refund it and switch switch sides or something like that. So I'm not saying a ton of people would do that necessarily, but you don't, you certainly don't want to create that opportunity. You don't want that to be the narrative. So the game, the game of chicken continues. No, no, you don't. It's a very strange time for the industry. My fantasy critic league has just been totally thrown out of whack. (laughs) Yeah. We, we tried to start one and then And everything fell apart, which is we just abandoned it. But yeah, (laughs) it was a great year for fantasy (laughs) video games for sure. There's so many will not releases on this yeah. list. My one friend, he went for, you know, he went for like Breath of the Wild 2, Halo Infinite, Persona 5 Scramble. Yeah. And well, look how that's going for I him. Mean, that, yeah, that, that's the the balls of the wall kind of strategy. Like if it hits, it hits hard, right? But yeah, you're really banking on a lot of things. Biggest uh, being hopeful about early release dates. But yeah, we're not going to, doesn't sound like we're going to see any of that uh, in this year. Um. Should we should we wrap up, David? That I think we've uh, yep. done a good Sounds job good. here. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm gonna book Matt in for our Yakuza Like a Dragon episode now, uh, and then uh, whichever <laughs> console we decide, maybe we'll all play it on a different console. That'd be kind of fun, uh, or different plat, different I mean, pl- different platform, I should say. Yeah, so one of us can be Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and one on PC. Um, but yeah, we'll look forward to that uh, in the in the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, that does it for our Yakuza Kiwami episode, uh, where we covered Kiwami 1 and 2. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to uh, The Thirsty Mage on your podcast catcher, your podcast app of choice. Um, uh, well, I also want to thank uh, Matt Zawadniak for joining us. Matt, uh, what, what are you working on? Where can people find you? Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, me and my good friend Joe DeVader, we have a podcast called Smashter Pieces, where we are playing one game for every fighter in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, I think we mathed it out recently, and it's like an eight-year project it'll end up being. <laughs> yeah. And Persona 5 will be like an entire year on its yeah. own. Where 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 are um, you at right now? What what uh, what platform or what, uh, what games are you guys playing right now for Smashter Pieces? So, we just hit the new millennium. We are in 2000, and our uh, our first game of the new millennium is going to be Kirby 64, nice. and actually we have a guest for, for that game. Uh, Nintendo World Report's own Neil Ronahan will be joining us. I for know that. he's a big fan of that game, so that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we are about, hope, hopefully by the time this podcast is released, our episode on Donkey Kong 64 will be released, which is a video game that no one should ever play. <laughs> but it's Joe's favorite game ever, yeah. so if you want to hear someone that actually likes the game talk about it, you can check that out. It's nice to have contrarians uh, on a podcast sometimes. It, it is one of his favorite games ever. He grew up playing it as a kid, and... I think that it is the worst game we've played for the show. Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one to go back to, that's for sure. I think I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the multiplayer of that game when it first came out, um, but yeah, the uh, the collectathon was uh, to ratchet it up to 11 with that game a little bit too much for me. 
It's rough. Yep. Um, but the Smasher Pieces is the main thing I'm doing right now. I am also, uh, NWR is going to have two panels for PAX Online. That's right, yes. Uh, I am going to be on both of cool. them. What uh, what what uh, so panels you, are we are we running? I I I know that one is the supermarket sweeps, but with Nintendo games. Is that right? Yeah. So that's that's. Uh, I don't one hundred percent know Neil's plan. We're recording it tomorrow, okay. so I don't fully know what it's going to be. Uh, but it's it's a crazy game show thing modeled after Supermarket Sweep, which uh, is currently on Netflix in the U.S. So you can go take a look at that if you haven't seen it. It might also be there in other territories, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I think we do have it in Canada at least, but I'm not sure where else. And our other panel is uh, in honor of Mario's, is it 35th anniversary this year? year. Yeah. Um, We took a list of all 3,000 enemies in the Mario franchise and narrowed it down to our top 10. I can't believe it's that high. I would have said, yeah, maybe in the hundreds still. I didn't even know it would have topped 1,000. That's crazy. A lot of them are shy guys. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Which, um, but uh, so those are, uh, as you may know, uh, a lot of events are canceled this yes. year. So PAX is entirely online. So you can check out our panel at PAX Online. Uh, check out Nintendo World Report for the details on when our panels will be. Uh, and you can check out, check those out. I think that, I think the event is middle September, like September 12 to 19 or something like that. Uh, about Around about there. a week or two after PAX uh, West would normally happen, and uh, yeah, it's, it's disappointing not to be able to go to PAX West. Obviously, uh, not really feasible uh, with the current climate, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the PAX Online goes. I, I do have a, uh, <laughs> a media pass or whatever that whatever they're offering for that. So we'll see what they can do. It, it's tough for uh, covering Switch games or even covering console games because you know you can't really demo those as well uh, online as you can like getting a early access for Steam games and stuff like that so but we'll, we'll see how it goes hopefully it'll be fun um but yeah the, the, mm, yeah, PAX, the panels sound really good though pax is always fun mm-hmm. uh so I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes online yeah. and it's it's funny the uh i was at pax east mere days before uh the pandemic started to really hit in the yeah, west yeah. and there was just the atmosphere of everyone. If you could feel, everyone knew something was going to happen very soon. Yeah, and it, it's funny to be in such a large crowd, all kind of like feeling that same apprehension, that anxiety, all all at once. That kind of Im- impending and changes that are coming. I guess. Um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So again, thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, David, uh, what's going on with the Thirsty Mage? What uh, reviews, videos? What uh, what kind of stuff is happening with us? Well, if uh, if all went to plan, then there should have been a stream of uh, World of Warcraft on uh, Thursday. That uh, <laughs> is, there'll, there'll be the stream itself that we did uh, Thursday night, and yeah. then hopefully there there'll be an edited version of it with some of the highlights. But yeah. uh, uh, Casey and I are going to start to we're going to see how the streaming goes. We're going to give it a give it a whirl and try is a few games. Your, out, is this your first time WoW. playing WoW? Your first time. Yeah, it is. It cool. is. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. and we're playing. It's WoW Classic too, yeah. because uh, we yeah. Casey was uh, adamant that I start uh, start on Classic. I think so that's. That I, I think that's a good difference. idea. And I, okay, I think you're you're probably in good hands with Casey, considering the the probably and not even an exaggeration the million hours he's put into that game. So, yeah. um. <laughs> well, I told him the server I went to, and he immediately knew like what was going on on that server, that yeah. particular server. And I'm like, I don't even know how you know how what's what's going on on each of the servers, but. Yeah, he's uh, 
He's. I think he's a veteran of of WoW. If if you need to know something about it, he'll know it. I I'm. I think he's just happy to not have to bother Perry every episode of Talk Nintendo podcast <laughs> with his uh, World of Warcraft story. So now he's yeah. uh, got, he's got an outlet for it. So that's good. And I'm glad you guys. Uh, you know, getting into the MMOs, David. You've been playing Final Fantasy 14. Uh, obviously, going to be sharing more about that uh, about that soon. Your experience there. I know you've been posting about it on Twitter and stuff too. Yeah, that'll probably be a future terrible. stream. I made the terrible mistake of promising a friend that the next time 14 went on sale, I'd be buying That's it. That's what David did. He bought it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sinker. free now, they, too. Like, it's the... I, I, you could have been playing it for free, free if you trial. picked it up now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, be- I believe... And they just put through the patch that revamps the early content, That's right? right? Yeah. yeah, so they they shortened the main story quests in uh, A Realm Reborn. Um, so it's, uh, I guess it'll take me less time to get through that. And then, uh, the free trial goes right into heaven's ward. So, uh, yeah, I'd imagine. And uh, with the free trial, Casey's going to be downloading that as well. And, cool. uh, I'm sure like, uh, the two of us will play that and, uh, we'll be able to get Paige out uh, as well. Uh, cause Paige is our FF 14. Uh, she, she's completed everything now. She's finished Shadowbringers. So. Just like Casey is the expert for World of Warcraft, Paige is our expert for Final Fantasy fourteen. So, uh, long yeah. long story short, the next ten episodes of the Thirsty Mage podcast are all going to be about MMOs. So, uh, strap yourselves in, folks. Oh, I should get... <laughs> I should get to work on becoming the expert for Fantasy Star Online too. I, uh, when, okay, so when they showed that at the <laughs> yeah, okay, Matt, now Matt's got me off on a tangent. Uh, when they showed that at the Xbox event a couple weeks ago, I was like, okay, this looks like Xenoblade Chronicles X, so I want to play this game. Like, this looks really good. Have you played that game at all? I have not, but one of my friends is really into yeah, it, yeah. and like I have a, buddy a lot of us noticed, like, "Hey, this this looks like Xenoblade yeah, X," and yeah. he was just like, "Yeah, yeah, it I'm, does." I'm I'm and sold on that fact alone. I will definitely give this a try when it comes. Uh, I like it, it. Seems like it's a revamped version that's coming uh, to to all platforms. I think next year, maybe earlier to Xbox, but I think Switch is getting it too. The one that's coming out next year is more or less a brand new game. Is it okay? Uh, the awesome. classic, the, the classic PSO two. Uh, is currently available on Xbox and PC, okay. and it uh, just got a Persona collaboration, yes, which that. acknowledged the female protagonist from Persona 3, which is more acknowledgement than Atlas has given her outside of the 3DS, yeah. so I'll take Thank it. Thank you, Sega. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I definitely want to play that game, so if you get into that at some point, uh, is, at least with... I'm not really interested in the base, the, the, this kind of original version that's out right now, but when the revamped one comes, I, I definitely want to play that, so... Uh, then all of us will be playing MMOs, David. So you've gotten your wish. <laughs> We're right. all kind of sucked into the MMO <laughs> vortex here. Uh, but yeah, that'll that'll be a lot of fun when that uh, when that hits too. Um, so yeah, I think that does it for us. Uh, again, thanks everybody for joining us. A lot of fun talking about uh, our one of our uh, guys. Uh, burgeoning uh, enjoy series that we really are starting to enjoy even more uh, with Matt uh, and uh, yeah we'll definitely be talking more Yakuza in the future um, I think thank you for having yeah, me our pleasure um, I think we do have an episode next week on uh, Quest 64 of all games so uh, <laughs> uh, stay tuned for that I know you'll definitely want to be tuning in for uh, you know Casey and David somehow loving it, and me uh, uh, just wallowing in my misery about having to play it uh, without having lost yeah. it. Without having I, lost I don't know if I'd go that far. I'm, no, <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually feeling. Uh, it's funny because like I, I was a teenager during this N64 era, mm. so that that's kind of like the console I like my my uh, 
what do you want to call it? Passing of time or uh, glory days or whatever yes, of yes, having yes. free time. Global and global it just global saddens global. me because now I play N64 games and they're just like, I, I'm playing them and I'm like, who who could have played this crap? Like yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> when it's there were no other RPGs on the system, David. That's what you played. You played Quest oh, 64. Oh god! Uh, I, so it's there are yeah. plenty there are plenty of games from my youth that I choose not to revisit. Yeah, yeah. it's a funny yeah. thing. So, like sometimes looking back, like you've got the nostalgia and it really carries through. But sometimes even nostalgia is not enough to uh, to to salvage some of these games. But Anyway, pretty, we don't we don't want to say yeah. we don't want to say too much about Quest sixty four. We're gonna have thoughts on that uh, next episode. Yeah. That'll be a fun one too. Uh, but yeah, uh, that does it for us. Uh, so good night, everybody, and uh, goodbye. See you next time. Farewell. Bye.